Welcome to 2019. This is Sequel Quest, Episode 90, a sequel to the Karate Kid franchise. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast where Adam, Jeff, and Jeremy invite you on a cinematic adventure to create prequels, sequels, and reboots to your favorite movie franchises. Joined by special guests along the way, Sequel Quest is go for launch. So let the adventure begin now. does not exist on this podcast, does it? No, no sensei. sensei. There is no shame on this podcast, is there? Definitely not, no Sensei. No Sensei. Oh. <laughs> Being brief does not exist on this podcast, does it? <laughs> Never, Sensei. <laughs> Welcome, members of Miyagi-Do Karate and Cobra Kai alike, to the return of Sequel Quest. Oh, we've been on hiatus for a couple months, but we're excited to be back in the podcasting arena again. So let me introduce you to my co-host here in the SQ Dojo with me tonight. First, it's the man we all know is the best around, and no one's ever going to keep him down. It's Jeff-san. I like that. That's me. Next is the podcaster who always believes in the glory of love. It's Jeremy-san. <laughs> Crane kick. <laughs> and coming at you hard with just one question. Live or die, man. Live or die. Honk. I'm Adam. And off we go into the world of The Karate Kid. One of the defining films of the 1980s kicking off the martial arts boom. Can we do a little sequel quest housekeeping here? Adam, congrats on the baby. Yay. That's the reason we've been on hiatus. We got our own future karate kid. <laughs> oh, life is good around here. My wife's just about to go back to work, which means I'm on full baby duty. And, uh, you know, in more ways <laughs> than one. Baby duty. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yes, but we're, we're excited. Uh, this, is, this is my reprieve and connection to the adult world. So thank you, Sequel Quest listeners, for encouraging us <laughs> and keeping this going. Uh, but, uh, yes, so things, uh, things have been going on in the two-month hiatus, but it's, it's good to be back. And I missed you guys. I honestly did. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so much fun just uh, getting together, doing what we do with our nonsense. So, Jeremy, why don't you give everyone a plot summary of the franchise to catch them up in case it's been a while since they've seen them? Oh, boy. If they're anything like me, they haven't seen these movies in nigh of 20 years, probably. All right. So here is the plot summary for the Karate Kid franchise. 1984's The Karate Kid. Daniel LaRusso moves from New Jersey and befriends a kindly Japanese handyman who trains him in the art of karate in order to deal with the violent bullies from the local Cobra Kai dojo, led by the evil John Kreese. Using the special crane kick, an injured Daniel becomes the All-Valley Karate Tournament champion. The Karate Kid Part 2 in 1986 found Daniel and his sensei traveling back to Miyagi's hometown of Okinawa, where Miyagi must confront an old enemy, Sato, and rekindle romance with his first love, Yukio, while Daniel learns the drum technique that allows him to save the day in a deadly duel. 1989's The Karate Kid Part 3. Were they literally named Part 2 and Part 3? That is correct. Wow, <laughs> I, I do not remember that. This was not the age of subtitles. All right, 89's The Karate Kid Part 3 featured the return of the bitter John Kreese, who, with the help of his sadistic military buddy, Terry Silver, manages to turn Daniel against Mr. Miyagi with a more violent brand of martial art. 
and force him to defend his title against karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes, at the All-Valley Karate Tournament. Mm-hmm. Also, bonsai trees. <laughs> Uh, in 1994, there was a reboot of sorts called The Next Karate Kid, starred future Academy Award winner Hilary Swank as an angry young woman named Julie, who is terrorized by a group of male antagonists. Finding herself under the mentorship of Mr. Miyagi and some Buddhist monks, she confronts her tormentors. And wasn't that at the train station? Something like that. I don't know. I, th- I thought it was at a harbor. I don't know. It looked like there was some It, it was like around. a train. Oh, man. One of <laughs> them ended up a train. We'll train just call depot, it a yeah. depot. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the infamous 2010 remake starring Jackie Chan and stone-faced Jaden Smith, <laughs> which is not in the same continuity and takes place in China for some reason. And, of course, we can't go on without mentioning the new YouTube Red series, Cobra Kai, which has been announced with a second season already. And we will definitely get into that. But yes, if you followed that whole franchise recap there, thank you, Jeremy. I mean, there, there was a lot going on over these years. I think the funniest thing to me, though, is it, all of that continuity of the first three films, at least, basically takes place over like a year and a half. Like it's <laughs> it's very close together, and yet the films were so far apart. You know, there's like a five year span, six year span of making them. But I'm curious, you know, I, I introduced this as a seminal film of the 80s, but Jeff, would you agree with that? Well, one, I should point out is that I don't think any of us were old enough to talk about what the seminal films of the 80s were. I was 10 when the 80s were over, so I, I don't know that I'm the best judge of that. But I know for the kind of movies that I watched in the 80s, Yes, this one and Star Wars were probably, and The Last Starfighter were probably my ones that I had on repeat. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I saw The Karate Kid uh, when I was four or five. It instantly became a favorite. And, you know, yeah, of course I was doing the crane kick all over the place. I even had a Miyagi-Do headband that I wore while doing, you know, karate moves in my living room. So I was 100% on board with this. In fact, I even went so far as to buy the Mr. Miyagi and Daniel action figures by Remco that came out during the time of the second movie. They were very cool. There are actually several different versions. There was Sato, there was Chosen, there was John Kreese, even the referee got a figure, which which is crazy. <laughs> um, but I'm staring at my Miyagi and Daniel figures right now. And they were very cool because they came with like these breakaway, like you could actually like break a board or there'd be like these practice karate tools that you could use. So it was, it was a pretty neat series. And then my friend's brother had the Karate Kid video game for the Nintendo. So I would go over to their house all the time and play. They had little mini games. You could like break the ice blocks like he does in part two or dodge the fishing hook in addition to just kind of general platform fighting. Now, the real impact, the cultural impact of this film, and we'll get into more details of the story in a second, is how much did the enrollment in karate studios increase after this movie came out in 1984? And basically for the next, you know, 15 years or so, I would say it it never let up. Like, Jeff, did you do karate as a kid? Sort of. I did taekwondo at the YMCA, so that's much more kicking and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I would go even further and to say that, like, pre-karate kid... I don't know that the word karate was a household word. You're right. It was more Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah. And even, well, and even Kung Fu, you thought of David Carradine wandering the, the old West or whatever. Because <laughs> Kung Fu movies, those are the foreign films. But Karate Kid was one of the first, like, American one. It felt, at least to me, as a, as a viewer. Yeah. I mean, th- there were other Japanese culture and martial arts-based films prior to that. But I think this is, yeah, the one that broke into the mainstream especially because it was more aimed at the younger generation it really made an impact in that way and i actually did take a karate class when i was seven based solely on my love for the films she wrote a whole article about it for retro days so i'll share that on our social media pages but although he has no connection to these films other than there was some rumor that chuck norris had actually been offered the role of john crease but he denies it, and so does the director, so that was just some urban (laughs) legend. But my karate instructor 
was actually trained by Chuck Norris and his name was Bob Barrows and he you know was a legitimate guy he would show up in Black Belt magazine and all this stuff from the 70s into the the 80s and he was just really cool and he would give us signed autographed pictures from Chuck Norris if we were really good I was not really good so I never got a Chuck Norris photo oh, I was always wow. bitter <laughs> But how about you, Jeremy? Did that uh, did that make its way into your life? Were there any martial arts training? No. Even though you're the Ginge Ninja? <laughs> yeah, wow. that moniker was given to me in radio, and I have no martial arts training. <laughs> what is your fighting style, Jeremy? Uh, flailing fat guy. <laughs> More so a form tackle than flailing fat guy. <laughs> but the funny thing is also about this movie is I think the difference in the Karate Kid, again, prior to this, martial arts-based films that did exist were more about the fighting. You just went there to literally see the action. And what this movie did was really, you know, Robert Mark Kamen, who wrote it, he was a student, a very deep and devoted student of the martial arts. And so he took the philosophy behind martial arts and presented that to, to the movie audiences. Because that, when you get down to the, the meat of this story, it's not about cool fight scenes. It's about the relationship between Daniel and Mr. Miyagi, and it's how Mr. Miyagi teaches Daniel, basically you know, self-control and self-respect through martial arts, which I think is, is wonderful if you can get that message. Right. It's definitely layered in there. But most of us, when we first get hooked on these martial arts movies, it's about the action. And then those layers start coming off as you get into it. You're right. And that's that's true. But yeah, like Adam said, because it's, it's the funny thing. And that's why I think growing up for a lot of us, or at least myself, I can say, tended to like the second one better because the second one, there was a lot more action in it. Whereas the first one, there's not a whole lot of action. He gets his butt kicked at the beginning. He gets his butt kicked in the middle. And then <laughs> the rest of it is just about him painting fences and waxing cars and like doing all this sort of stuff like that. And then finally he learns to punch and you're like, yeah, punch. <laughs> and then, you know, he gets into the tournament. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? You, you get a little bit of East meets West comedy because, you know, you're going to have that in the 80s if you you have an Asian character, they're going to have an accent. In fact, Pat Morita was originally passed over for the role because he doesn't speak with that accent. You know, he's giving a performance. And when he went in for the role, he just was himself. And the producer was like, no, we need a guy who sounds Japanese. So then he came back, grew his beard and mustache out, and then spoke in his broken English. And they're like, that's it. That's our guy. So, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a little sketchy there. But Racist Hollywood. But, I mean, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He, right. he was nominated for an, an Oscar. Like, he does, he, he gives the performance of the film. He's phenomenal. Uh, even even with, yeah, the, the kind of hokey accent. Yeah, it absolutely rests on him. And yet, you know, it is an underdog story. Like you said, we have Daniel there getting beat up all the time. He's a hothead. He hates that he had to move to California. All those things. That actually, for me, was special because my mom's side of the family is from New Jersey, as like we've discussed on previous episodes. So I really connect with Daniel and his mom. I love her accent. She dresses just like my mom did in the 80s. <laughs> so I just, I, I love, you know, his New Jersey connection. But also, you know, when it's an underdog story, it should be no surprise that the director, John Avildsen, is the director of Rocky. I mean, and, and unfortunately Rocky five as well. So, uh, but, but it should be no surprise. He made a, you know, another hit film with similar themes that had two follow-up sequels. Now, obviously Rocky had more uh, ultimately, but that screenwriter I think is really, the credit has to go to him, Robert Mark Kamen. Cause I mean, he also, he wrote movies like, you know, Lethal Weapon 3 and The Fifth Element and the Taken and Transporter films. So, I mean, he's had a career beyond this, but I think just the, the heart of the movies comes from the script. And obviously the performances. Uh, I don't know if we, we've referenced on the show, the TV show Community, but in the sixth season, I think, or is it the fifth season? It's one of the Yahoo seasons. Professor Chang wants to go audition for a stage version of The Karate Kid. <laughs> 
And so, of course, because he's Japanese-ish, he gets hired to be Mr. Miyagi. And I think I think Allison Brie ends up as uh, Daniel-san. Wow. And she gets, like, this big head because the director is, like, picking on Professor Chang the whole time. And finally, he, like, blows up at her, and he's just like... This is not a movie about Danielson. I mean, this is a movie about a Japanese immigrant whose wife dies, and he has his only like his own, And the man like was nominated for an Oscar. Mr. Miyagi is the main character of that. And like ever since that, I was like, wow, you're right. Like I don't know that he's the main character, but he is definitely the the deepest character and the most flushed out. And again, has the best performance. I love uh, Ralph Macchio in it. I love. All the performances, but compared to Pat Morita, I mean, this is career-defining for him. Yeah, and that, and that obviously carried with him throughout his career, Pat Morita. I mean, because people of a certain generation know him as Arnold on Happy Days. Sure. Most of the episodes I remember of Happy Days, I watched were the Al episodes. So the original <laughs> guy who owned the diner. So I don't know so much about the Arnold, but he was a comedian. So the idea that he gives this dramatic performance that has a lot of comedic beats to it, which really helps, you know, in your love of the character. But uh, yeah, I think Pat Morita is, I mean, he's just revered for that. In fact, my high school girlfriend, my first girlfriend ever was Japanese, very American Japanese, but she said that she would go to these Japanese cultural events and Pat Morita was always like the keynote speaker. So he would always, he was like the celebrity that they held in the highest regard so often to come up and kind of say, you know, this, we're wonderful. This is what we could celebrate, you know? So I always thought that was pretty interesting. But whenever I saw Pat Morita or Ralph Macchio in another movie, it was always off-putting because right. like, these are this their roles. Is, this is yeah. they're supposed to be, right? Because, like, Pat Morita did a movie with Jay Leno. I don't know if anybody remembers that. <laughs> like, like a, a buddy cop movie. And Ralph Macchio did this movie where he he's a guitar player. That he plays against the devil called Crossroads. And didn't oh, Macchio do another so one? My Cousin Vinny or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, that's that where most people one. probably remember him, like, right. kind of outside of Karate Kid. Well, but if you've and, never seen Crossroads, my friend, if you have any... <laughs> interesting guitars one of the best guitar movies of all that final sequence ralph macchio against steve Vai. oh yeah <laughs> although i think if i if i remember correctly and it's, it's obviously they do a lot of close-ups of the fingers on the frets and it's definitely not ralph macchio oh no, <laughs> no way if you watch that movie it's, it's like there's no human that can do that it's insane what he did but anyway but let's, yeah, back to the Karate well, Kid. Back yeah, the karate so kid. I, I, I kind of wanted to build off what Jeff was saying about somebody explaining that it was Mr. Miyagi as the main character of this movie. This is something that I never thought about at all, especially in the first one, was How I Met Your Mother has this huge Karate Kid tie-in throughout it where Barney, Neil Patrick Harris's character, He's always oh, yeah. seen Johnny uh, as the hero and the protagonist, and he hates Ralph Macchio. <laughs> Which is and, funny. That's what kind of comes up in Cobra Kai, and that, that that's even kind of become like a meme and stuff like that, is that Daniel LaRusso's character has been seen as more and more arrogant. Which at the time, like, we didn't think about him as arrogant at all, but now that's kind of the joke about like, oh, that... Daniel LaRusso thinking he's such a big deal. And some of that, I think, does come from How I Met Your Mother. But oh. yeah, in Cobra Kai, from what I'm hearing, it's, it's a good take from Johnny's point of view. Right, exactly. And have either of you guys seen it or no? Crickets. So, yeah, well, <laughs> so I'll, I'll be the voice. I'll be the voice on that one. So, I mean, we're jumping ahead, but that's the thing. Like, each of these films has a different villain, right? And in the first one, it's technically Johnny at the beginning, but then you realize there's, like, the emperor behind Johnny, which is John Kreese, right? Which they're both fantastic. Like, William Zabka is just one of the great 80s movie jerks. I mean, yeah. he just he gets it so right. And then... Obviously, you know, you have John Kreese in there is like, you know, again, he's just relatively He's John Kreese. That's how he yeah. always plays. <laughs> well, I, I love uh, when he and Miyagi like size each other up at the dojo and everything like that. That's just a fascinating interaction that he and Pat Morita have. In fact, I saw that actor uh, in uh, I, I 
I just happened to have this old VHS tape and on there was a John Denver movie pilot uh or a tv show pilot but it was like you know a movie and he was like the best friend nice guy and i'm like there's no way john crease is a nice guy like this is (laughs) that that is not gonna play what were they thinking um but but yeah so in cobra kai that's basically kind of like okay here's the direct sequel to the first movie because you never you, you see johnny at the beginning of the karate kid part two and that little prologue there but that was actually originally the end of the first movie and they decided to, to carry it over instead. They decided just to end on Mr. Miyagi looking proudly at Daniel, you know, but uh, it, it originally in the script, it was supposed to be in there. So, but then Johnny disappears and at Cobra Kai, if you just want to go pay your $10 or whatever to get YouTube red, that's what I did is I bought it for a month, watched it all the way through and canceled it. Hey, I'm pulling a Jeremy here, <laughs> but it, it was really, really good. It's what's interesting about it is, it's it's Johnny's point of view to start, and you just see what a loser he's become, uh, and then it's about him getting his groove back, essentially. But they really play very well with all of the mythology that's been a part of it. You know, obviously Pat Morita has since passed away, and Ralph Macchio and William Zabka are back at it again and still antagonists. But in this case, they play on what you were just saying, Jeremy, that Ralph Macchio is the one who is, he's holding a grudge. Whereas, like, Johnny's kind of over it now, except that every time Ralph Macchio goes in and sees William Zabka, he's just in his face. And so there's, like, you know, you kind of see, oh, Daniel's kind of crossing a line, too, here now, you know? But uh, ultimately, what I found most impressive about it is they introduce a whole new generation of, of characters that are being taught mostly by William Zabka, because he reopens the Cobra Kai Dojo. That's what it's about. And they're not necessarily bad kids, and he's not necessarily a bad guy. He's just rough around the edges. So it's kind of like Bad News Bears with karate, essentially. And it's a little more raunchy than than the previous films, you know. So it's by the guys who made a Hot Tub Time Machine. So, <laughs> and Rob Macho and William Zabka sang their praises, because they're like, look, we been approached for years and years about coming back and we did not like any pitch but these guys got it you know Mm. so so yeah so there's you know first our two bookends there's the karate kid and cobra kai but in the middle jeff you mentioned we have the karate kid part two as probably our favorite and i would say yes for me it is my favorite like going back finding out mr miyagi's backstory getting a new setting new villains and everything like why for you does it stand out so much Oh, it doesn't. No, no. As a kid, I thought. It, I thought as a kid, like it's it's more fun as a kid because there's more action in it. But but if you ask me, Karate Kid One is still by far the superior movie. But it is definitely interesting. I think that they took it in a different direction. Is that far too often a sequel? They just either try and do the exact same thing over again, or they just go in a different direction and they lose what they were trying because they thought the wrong thing. But it was like they did kind of capture. A, a similar sort of a thing and then and they almost switched around like you talked about the cultural thing instead of it being here's this japanese guy with karate which is kind of this new thing in america instead let's put this american kid in japan and in very kind of traditional japan and so it's a fish out of water story again yeah and i mean the best part is that it, it literally is miyagi is the center of it because daniel yeah. is around he's still being trained he's getting his romance but like in the end, it's it's about Mr. Miyagi resolving his issue with his best friend who wants to kill him because he dishonored him, you know, because yeah. anyway, there, there's a whole story there, you know, but that's that's what I find. That's like the core. And then at the end, Daniel gets to use his new move, a la the crane kick to save the day. He gets to use the drum technique against Chosen, who's gone crazy because Miyagi and Sato have you know, reconciled. Everything's fine. But Chosen, oh, he's young. He's brash. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put him in his place, Daniel. Son, well, like what you said, Jeff. That most sequels will just kind of rehash the original, and right. that's unfortunately what they did with the third movie, which yes. I did not even know existed until <laughs> about 2003. It was crazy. I was actually I was living in Brazil at the time. I was having lunch at someone's house where they had the TV on in the background. Suddenly, I see Ralph Macchio looking evil in this like dark dojo and breaking <laughs> boards, and I'm like, "What movie is this?" And my friend is like, 
oh, that's Karate Kid 3. And it blew my mind. I was like, there's a third movie? Like, how did I... And, I mean, obviously it was released in 89, so I'm excited about Ghostbusters 2 and Batman and Indiana Jones and the Last <laughs> Crusade. I had zero idea that it was even released. But do you remember, Jeff, much about Karate Kid Part 3? What your impressions were? <sighs> it, was, it was... I watched it once, and I, I groaned and said, never again. It feels very much like Rocky 3, where it's kind of the idea that somehow you have... You're not you're not street enough and that that's your problem. You need to get like hard, like more edgy or something like that. And that, and then you find out that, Oh no, you're wrong. You weren't. Oh no. It's, it's rough. I mean, it's, it's one of those things like, actually, I think the, the core concept is somewhat decent like to have the Miyagi Daniel rift is kind of a logical place for the story to go, having them disagree over how to handle the bullying, you know, Daniel being so benevolent and wanting to start a business with his best friend and his mentor, give him his bonsai, Mr. Miyagi's little trees, you know, like all of that. But then the over the top, just cartoonish revenge plot with Terry Silver coming in, literally like laughing maniacally, you know, just like, ah, yeah, we're going to destroy him, man. We're going to get him. Yeah. You know, it's like, and then you just keep bringing in all these new characters. Okay, now we got Mike Barnes. He's the bad boy of karate. He's going to beat you up. Like, and even like at the end of the movie during like the final match, which is a pathetic recreation of the original end scene, like Mike Barnes is shouting some pretty crude things at Daniel when he wants to like keep fighting. It's like, it's not PG language. And I'm just like, Oh, you know, this, it got kind of dark. But that being said, for all the wrong reasons, Terry Silver and John Kreese in that movie are very entertaining villains, <laughs> but it's terrible, you know? And, uh, and I actually picked up a copy. I, I found an old rental store that still, carried vhs tapes but they were selling off some of their inventory and i bought the karate kid part three on vhs which means i have each of the films in a different format i have the original on dvd i have the part two <laughs> on blu-ray and i have part three on vhs <laughs> so. excellent now where where do you guys fall on the next karate kid i watched it once and was not impressed even though Pat Morita's in it. But it's just, it's the goofy Buddhist monks are so silly. And then it's weird <laughs> to have, like, male bullies for a female protagonist. I mean, at least at the time Agreed. I'm not sure how it would play if it was made today. It might, you know, go over better. Uh, but it does have Walton Goggins in it as part of the Ooh. Bad Guys crew and Lyndon Ashby, who is Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat. So there are hey. two pluses down the line. Yeah, and, and Hillary well, Swank, and, obviously. And, and Hillary Swank. Swank. Yeah. Michael Ironside, the... Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, it's got some decent people, but of all of them, this is the one that sticks out to me the most. In what way? Well, I can remember scenes of this more than the others. And I don't remember if it was because I even read the books oh, uh, wow. or, or what to it, but... Because, Jeremy, how old were you in 94? Seven. Okay. So that's about right. So literally tried to relaunch the Karate Kid worked on you because you there remembered you it. Yeah. So <laughs> mission accomplished, but the rest of us who saw the originals were like, mm, yeah, we this doesn't work. And then, yeah, I, I personally didn't even bother with the Jackie Chan, Jane Smith movie because I, I heard it's actually not bad. It just didn't make sense because I'm like, it's yeah. in China, but he's the Karate Kid. And, and Jackie Chan's obviously a kung fu artist. And it just didn't add up to me logically. So it just felt like they were using the name for a cash grab. So I was like, yeah, right. Not yeah. All three names, I would say, as a cash grabs. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was somewhat of a, a Will Smith funded. Uh, let's put my kid in movies type deal. Um, <laughs> well, and the reason it was filmed in China was probably that was the only production crews that would actually have Jackie Chan insured because we all know he's got a history of getting hurt doing his own stunts, which is why you don't see him in movies in the U.S. Really wait, anymore. wait, wait, come on. Now, Tom Cruise is doing this. He broke his ankle <laughs> on the last movie. He gets I know. Insured. Jackie, what's going on here? Well, there's, there's box office returns, man. Uh, I guess so. Rubble in the Bronx was a long time ago for Jackie Chan. <laughs> Rush Hour was a long time ago for Jackie Chan. All right. So I guess we're at that point where we're, we got to explain ourselves. Why did we choose The Karate Kid if there have already been so many sequels and reboots and different versions? 
really, I think, based on our, our discussion of the last few, you know, we know that Cobra Kai is critically acclaimed. People really liked it. Again, I would recommend it. It was very enjoyable to watch. But what if we could have gotten a Karate Kid Part 4 just to, like, cleanse the palate from Part 3? <laughs> what if something else could have come in and said, you know what, let's bring it back around to what we love about this universe and these characters? So tonight you're going to get at least two opportunities to see what you think of our pitches for The Karate Kid Part 4. So, Jeff, you want to take it away? Bum, bum, bum. Okay, so... Well, I have a working title, although I guess like Jeremy was saying, I guess it could just be Karate Kid Part 4. Looking at the movie titles, it's yes. the Karate Kid, the Karate Kid 2, and then Karate Kid Part 3. Oh, you're right. I, oh. Yeah, I'm not seeing anywhere else where it's Part 1, Part 2. Okay. So it could be 4, because the working title, the working subtitle that I had was LaRusso Do, but I don't <laughs> – it's a little yeah. too – I mean, that Miyagi sounds like he, he's like that sounds like he runs a bakery. Yeah, get my Larusso though, Because ah. the other option is Danielson is just it's no, because it, it also just looks like Danielson. So anyway, <laughs> it's still we might just go with Karate Kid Part Four. So, uh, but anyway, uh, it is also interesting, yeah, because of Cobra Kai. Uh, I kind of want to treat it as though Cobra Kai has happened. So. Um, <clears throat> it takes place currently 35 years after the original film. Uh, as in Cobra Kai, Daniel owns car dealerships. And as the end of, I think, as the end of the last season of Cobra Kai, Daniel had decided to open up his own dojo to compete with the new Cobra Kai dojo. So that's where we're starting. LaRusso Do has started up to oppose Cobra Kai. A new kid shows up, Daniel starting, and he's training kids about kind of the Miyagi style of fighting, or of karate, I should say, and like you said, the, the, the philosophies and understandings. This new kid shows up named Albert, and he's got a bunch of bruises, and he says that he's been getting bullied in school. So Daniel agrees to teach him, but says that, well, karate, it's not for revenge and for anger. It's for, you know, focus and keeping control of yourself and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, that's going on, and, you know, the training kind of continues. Meanwhile, Cobra Kai is also still in business. But Cobra Kai, like you said, I was kind of going to emphasize it a little bit more where Johnny's kind of going back into some of his old sensei's ways. So they're a little bit rougher and they're a little bit more aggressive. I'm not going full like light side of the force and dark side of the force, but nonetheless, you do have a little bit of that going on. Several weeks into this, uh, Daniel is walking home or walking back to his car, I should say, when he's carjacked. He's outnumbered, so he's not able to fight them all off, even though he does try. While he's being overwhelmed, this person in a costume jumps out and attacks the carjacker. Daniel recognizes that it's Albert. Uh, and he tells them, hey, you, you can't do this. Like, you know, you're going to get hurt. And he drops him from his dojo. So then Albert ends up going to Cobra Kai. And he learns, like, kind of a much more aggressive fighting style. So Daniel's kind of seeing this going on. He hears more and more reports of this masked vigilante that's going around and, like, fighting crime. But the victims, like, it's becoming more and more violent that he's not only stopping crime, but he's, like, severely hurting the people, the criminals that he's stopping. So uh, Daniel confronts Albert and says that, you know, you're not a hero. You're just becoming the same as the criminals. And that's when, uh, at some point, then Johnny comes into the conversation and J Johnny disagrees fundamentally and says, no criminals have it coming and you have to be stronger than them and fight back and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all of this comes to a head where Danny and Johnny finally end up fighting essentially over Albert. And it's essentially these two different styles, this Cobra Kai style and the Miyagi style. In the rematch of the century, they end up fighting essentially for Albert's soul. But Johnny ends up defeating Daniel this time. But Albert sees the path that he had to go down in order to win and decides that he doesn't want any of it. So he decides to give up his costume. And right as the movie ends, or maybe like post credits or something like that, Johnny walks over and sees the costume and picks it up as we go to black. <laughs> so, Jeff, I've, I've got this in my brain right now, which I think makes sense. So you know how... 
the CW has all their DC comic shows that do not fit into the you know the DC extended universe of films. Okay. So I feel like that's what this is, is we have Cobra Kai going on, and then you have your alternate version that comes out in theaters that's the Karate Kid Part 4. So I think <laughs> that's how we justify theory. it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Or this could just be Cobra Kai Season 2. I'd yeah, be down with that as well. It. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right. Let's see, Adam, what do you have? So mine is also called Karate Kid Part 4. LaRusso Doe? (laughs) I'm afraid there's no LaRusso Doe. But this is as if the film had been filmed and released in 1991. So how do we continue with Ralph Macchio just getting older and older? Because taking place just six months after Part (laughs) 3... Mr. Miyagi's Little Trees has become the latest fad in Southern California. Bonsai meditation is all over the media. The pair are being interviewed on talk shows, and yuppies are stopping by to get in on the trend. Mr. Miyagi doesn't need the attention, but Daniel's enjoying being the spokesperson for the business, sometimes letting his mouth get ahead of his brain. Soon, their business venture has made enough that Daniel has earned back his college tuition money and decided to enroll in business classes so he can take Mr. Miyagi's Little Trees National. Miyagi's happy he will get an education, but tells Daniel that this was always about their friendship, not making money. One day, into the shop comes a middle-aged man named Koichi Ichimura, who claims to be the son that Mr. Miyagi believed died in childbirth along with his wife. Koichi tells Miyagi that on her deathbed, the woman he thought was his mother revealed that the military doctors mixed up the babies born that same night due to the panic of Miyagi's wife dying. But when the truth came to her, she couldn't bear to let Koichi go after learning that her own baby had tragically passed away. Koichi has spent the last five years trying to track down his real father and finally found Miyagi due to all the publicity. Miyagi has a hard time accepting this truth and sends the man away. Learning of this shocking revelation, Daniel encourages his friend to let Koichi into his life. In doing so, Miyagi also learns that he has a 16-year-old grandson named Hiroyuki, or Hiro for short. Miyagi eventually accepts Koichi and Hiro into his life and begins training Hiro in the ways of Miyagi-Do, which the kid takes to like a natural, often winning sparring matches against Daniel. Miyagi's pride in his grandson begins pushing Daniel out of his life, which hurts LaRusso immensely. Add to that the fact that the All-Valley Karate Tournament is approaching once again, and Hiro really wants to compete on behalf of Miyagi-Do Karate, which Daniel pretends doesn't bother him, but secretly is harboring resentment. So to cover the pain of rejection, Daniel goes looking for acceptance elsewhere, indulging in the fame that the bonsai boom has brought them to deal with the heartache. Spending money on a sports car, a new wardrobe, and partying too hard with his jet-setting clientele, Daniel also arrogantly turns down offers from potential investors in the business, saying he's going to take this thing to the top on his own. After getting drunk one night and starting a fight, in a bar, Daniel ends up in the hospital. Miyagi comes to visit him and they smooth things over, while Miyagi uses his healing technique to speed up Daniel's recovery. Unfortunately, the damage has been done, and the media turns on Mr. Miyagi's little trees. Daniel apologizes for bringing dishonor to the Miyagi name, but says he thinks they can turn things around if Hiro wins the tournament for Miyagi-Do Karate, and he even offers not to defend his title. Miyagi explains that one mistake is not a reason for Daniel to dishonor himself and the work he put in to win, not once, but twice, stating that it would also do a disservice to Hiro to not have a chance to face the current champion and win based on his own skills. Daniel agrees to participate. At the tournament, Daniel apologizes to the crowd, who are booing him, asking for their forgiveness, admitting that he lost sight of the discipline and focus that karate can provide. More importantly, what a good friend can mean as life changes. Hero does ultimately defeat Daniel in a fair fight, and the former Karate Kid gracefully concedes his title to him. The two students bow to Miyagi as credits roll. Hmm. Karate Kid Part 4. <laughs> so wait, he won the tournament a second time? Is that in Part 3? Yeah, Part 3 is him winning again. So. Oh, <laughs> that's, I really That's why that. it's, it's terrible. Yeah, it's like, oh dear, okay. So he's a two-time karate champion, because, again, technically it just took place like within a year's time, so it's, it's kind of wild how that works. He had to come back and defend. Here he is last time out. So, All right, then Jeremy, what do you got? We are set 20 years later. L.A. and the surrounding area has broken out 
into a karate gang war zone where it's revealed <laughs> that Mr. Miyagi was murdered in the streets of a suburb of L.A. where he was locking up his franchise dojo, attacked and brutalized. The end. No, not quite. <laughs> okay. Yikes. Let's At, just put you in a bad mood. The end. Right? So. You gotta have a little darkness so that you can bring it back to the light. Okay. At the funeral, former students return to pay their respects. Daniel-san, Ralph Macchio, Julie-san, Hilary Swank, Mr. Han, Jackie Chan, Dre-san, Jaden Smith, also... Rocky Colt and Tum Tum Douglas from the Three Ninjas franchise. (laughs) They must team up with Johnny and Cobra Kai to clean up the streets and seek revenge for Mr. Miyagi. All right. Karate Kid Multiverse. Wait, why? (laughs) Yeah. Cobra Kai care? Vote for his pitch and then you'll find out. That's that's, that's the tease. Okay. (laughs) Think the Warriors. But with karate. Oh, yeah. Very. I mean, you bring in the three ninjas. If you had added surf ninjas. I, I couldn't get enough beach time for them to warrant <laughs> being in. All right. Well, it's time to vote. Adam? Uh, I feel like Jeff's, if we could just almost retitle it also like, The Kids of Karate Grow Up. And then it's like released by the <laughs> asylum. So it's like an alternate reality. Of, of what could be and what they're actually producing. It wasn't bad in any way. I think it was it was an interesting follow-up. But honestly, Jeremy, your wackadoo idea. Just I want to I want to add more <laughs> names to the list, and and I just want to see how how many martial arts franchises we can mix in. So I have to vote for Jeremy on this one. I'm probably leaning Jeff. All right, well, this will be fun then, because I'd have to go with Adam, because I can't handle the post-apocalyptic uh, <laughs> uh, karate movie. We need to call a guest now. I know, we need, we need to have a lifeline. Or we have to somehow figure out how to mash up all three. <laughs> Which that is, is our rule. tradition, right. Yeah. That's technically what we have to That's do. technically um, the rule. I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking now, like, <laughs> if, if, if you have to mash up all those storylines... I mean, obviously, Jeremy already said it in the future, so that, that right. works in yours, Jeff. So it's kind of like, okay, where are they at there? Oh, this is this is getting out of control. Okay, so <laughs> I guess I guess that's what I wanted, though. So let's see where we take right. it. Uh, so now, what if what if instead of his his long lost son being like, oh, I love you, Dad? What if he's the one that actually kills him and becomes the big bad guy? Ah, the rival gang leader, gotcha. Yeah. And then what if we split up all of our random karate people, so some of them are on one side and some of them are on the other side? Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is my first question for this universe, though. How did karate become the number one way you identify yourself <laughs> and the way you survive? This is not a question survive? you ask in this universe. <laughs> you just accept it, man. So it's just it's, it's like, like Mad Max. It, or, or like right. Jeremy said, in the Warriors, why is everyone painting their faces and running right. around in funny costumes? <laughs> Don't ask those questions. It's New York. This, this is what's become of the world. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Now, I guess what we could say is that uh, there, there is a possibility here that so Miyagi seems to be like the force for good uh, in this universe. So there's this. So if we want to say his son found out the truth and was bitter about it or whatever he feels like it could he i i i assume mr miyagi's dojos the miyagi do dojos are probably the most profitable as well or and that's a, that's my question is is this about commerce or is this about <laughs> su- survival and it's literally who you align turf, yourself man. with turf. <laughs> but, but i, I want to say then that mr miyagi's turf has to be like the that's the utopia that's like the beautiful world that all the other rival karate gangs want to get into so they're always trying to infiltrate and storm the gates can we say that maybe yeah lots of bonsai trees like bonsai trees are the currency 
or wisdom. You just come up with new wisdom and you share it, and uh-huh, that pays you for go. your meal. You know, your check comes. You know, and you're just like, a a good meal is the same as a good friend. It's and, not a chain ah, of restaurants, yes. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, now is this actually like post-apocalyptic? Is there like no one left other than oh, these? Oh well, gangs? it's Terry Silver. Terry Silver from Part Three was. <laughs> He was all about toxic waste. Yeah. So he, he destroyed the whole world with his okay. toxic waste. Because oh, if that's wow. the case, then we could... Because, Adam, your whole thing was building up to the the, the tournament. Yeah. So we could have the tournament be like how they pick a new leader or how they... It's like Thunderdome or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> each each year there was a meeting of the masters yeah. and that and they just like And they, call, they just call it AVK. You got to win AVK, the All Valley Karate Tournament, but they leave off the T. So it's like when they're when they're in their chants, you know, everybody's surrounding the cage. AVK, AVK, <laughs> you know. So the, it's like Kumite, you know. That's just <laughs> get that going, you know. Well, and that, and I would say maybe that uh, Johnny is running his Cobra Kai gang, but Daniel recruits him out of it. Yeah, and they have to go like undercover because they're already accepted <laughs> as bad guys. So and so then that, that, let's think of what's Johnny's motivation for finally joining up with LaRusso then. Well, yeah, so we do because I was kind of picturing the other way around where it's kind of like you've got one side that's kind of headed by Daniel and the other side that's like those are the two masterminds. Johnny's on one side and and but and... here here's the reality though, guys. You have to remember that in Karate Kid Part Two, really by the end of Karate Kid Part One. Remember, Johnny comes up to him and says, you're okay, LaRusso, you're all right. And then in part two, when his sensei is beating the crap out of him, you know, it breaks his trophy. I mean, Johnny is done essentially with Cobra Kai at that moment. Well, so but now in the new show, own, yeah. it's back, though. Well, but in a different way, because he wasn't 100%, you know, like saying, oh, John Kreese was the best thing that ever happened to me in that show. He's saying, like, I can make Cobra Kai mean something that like what it meant to me until it went bad, you know? Right. So he's right. coming to the light. Yeah. So that's why I feel like anti-hero almost, you know, yeah, a little bit. He's Cause he's still in conflict in the show with Daniel though. Maybe that's just their public portrayal oh. is that they're against each other antagonists. But in reality, it'll be like the third act twist where Johnny joins Daniel in helping to defeat Cobra Kai and the mysterious gangs. Yeah, well, I think a good twist with that would be that Johnny, again, yeah, has always been working kind of undercover for Daniel and Miyagi-Do. And so it's kind of like that's how they've kept their utopia, is whenever an, a rival gang is trying to get in, Johnny tips them off because he's kind of on mm-hmm. that side of things. And then, then uh, Miyagi's son figures it out. And then now Cobra Kai, you know, is is being targeted as well. So maybe that's where your Warriors thing comes in. Maybe there it's Johnny go. going across the zones, you know, with Cobra Kai and trying to make it to the Miyagi-Do utopia. And then, they're, then you know, when they something goes wrong in the middle, then maybe they have to come to that agreement of the tournament. Or, or maybe that's while Johnny's making his way through, there's that discussion of the tournament. And so... Uh, Miyagi's son is trying to keep him from making it so that, you know, can't defeat their their warrior, you know, or who they brought in. So who who are the bad guys from the other universes you're bringing in then, Jeremy, other than the three ninjas? You know, I'm leaving it kind of open so we can <laughs> play around with it. Jeff, anybody you want to bring in in particular? That are specifically ninja related. I mean, I think like Mortal Kombat leads you like you've got quite a few Mortal Kombats that you could bring in. Uh, I do feel like there has to be a cameo by Steven Seagal, though. Yeah, because I'm still confused why he is karate at all. He just seems just like chop. I'm done. Well, I, I think his is the ponytail gang. So, like, yeah. when they go through their territory, like, they all have the ponytails. And, you know, the greatest disrespect is to is to cut off their ponytail. That's, no, you know. So if you allow that to happen in a fight, you know, you're you're banished from their crew or whatever. 
again, I mean, I guess you could have the Van Dams, but I, I, I almost feel like there should be a gang of like martial artists who like you can't understand what they're saying because their accents are so thick, but their Eastern European accents or whatever, or their French accents, you know, whatever. So it's just like what they they have their own like almost Cockney language, but they're technically speaking English. But yeah, and so I, I like the idea of the the three ninjas kids as part of that wait hold on hold on hulk hogan was in the three ninjas that is correct yep high noon at mega mountain the third movie Uh (laughs) uh-huh no that's the fourth is that there are there are four three three ninja ninja movies kickback is the sequel three ninjas knuckle up oh knuckle up is the third one and three ninjas high noon (laughs) at mega mountain so I wonder, although it kind of sounds like we're going in this direction already, but uh, I don't know if you guys saw the, what's it called, Bruce Lee's final movie that he died while making? Uh, Game of Death. Game of Death, thank you, yeah. Where he has to, like, go through this pagoda, and every level there's a different, like, master of a different fighting style. So to have, like, maybe, like, that could be the different levels of, of the tournament. So that beyond just the gang's visual, but that they also have different styles as well. That could make an act, because it yeah. sounds like that's one thing, too. As a karate movie, we want to see a lot of karate in it. Well, this karate movie. <laughs> that's about <laughs> all we're going to have. <laughs> and then how far do we want to go? Do we want to go into, like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon realm, where we've got people, like, floating around and stuff like that, or... Well, that would be a fun, they they get lost in a forest and there's just people fighting in the trees above them. They don't have to worry about it because they're just in the trees <laughs> going back and forth. Like no. the, the the Karate Kid from 2010 with Jaden Smith, that already looked fake with what they were doing with the karate there in the final match. So, so the, we're going to try to be a little more realistic, not quite Iron Fist season one, but more like Daredevil. <laughs> I mean, if we're taking existing things as well, I feel like it has to be Miyagi was ready to move his utopia people because, you know, Miyagi's a fisherman, right? So I feel like Miyagi has probably gone out and gone in search of this new world that isn't, you know, destroyed by Terry Silver's toxic waste, a la Waterworld. So I feel like that's what it is, is they want to find this this new world and they're going to take off. And so that maybe is kind of the MacGuffin, too, is like the son had hoped to get that information from Miyagi, and Miyagi refused, so that's why he killed him. So, like, the tournament is kind of how they keep order in their universe. You know, now Daniel and and Johnny and all in that group are just trying to get away, but they won't let them get away, and that maybe that's what they're moving through, is they're trying to get to the shore where the surf ninjas are waiting, and you get, you get everyone from Patusan. They're going to go to the Ooh. Isle of Patusan, and they're going to you gotta surf their way there, you know? So there's a big water battle that we should have gotten in Surf Ninjas of karate fighting on surfboards. Yes. Wow. Ernie Reyes Jr., All make right. it happen. Wow. How did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, you you brought this upon us. I did. Well, you brought this whole show upon us, so. (laughs) (laughs) We got to follow the rules. We follow the rules for better or for worse. Uh, You know, one thing I will mention, and if you guys want to work with this in any way, so I don't know if you were aware of this, but when Karate Kid Part 3 came out, there was an animated series. There was a cartoon of the Karate Kid, which basically had them running around in search of this magical shrine. So they would just like go to different parts of the world and have karate adventures. And the shrine had like magical powers. And the original concept for the Karate Kid Part 3 that John Avildsen had with the screenwriter was, I want them to somehow travel back in time to meet the ancient ancestor of Mr. Miyagi who created Miyagi-Do, you know, the one who fell asleep on his boat, drunk, woke up in China, came back a few years later, having learned that those techniques and then created his own. Like, they, that was going to be the adventure, and the, the studio just nixed it. They're just like, um, yeah, we're not going there. Just just rehash the first one, please, with more ridiculousness. <laughs> huh. yeah, is, yeah, so that's kind of why it turned out the way it did, because they're like, the director's like, no, we're going to take it here, you know? And so they kind of use that 
for the cartoon series instead mm. where the, the magical shrine thing you know anyway just thought you thought if you wanted to work with that in any way going forward there could be a magical shrine in the mix that could transport them you know a la Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 you know back to ancient Okinawa and maybe that is the, the the saving grace of the whole society is like we can't get away but we could get the shrine and then that would take us back to a better simpler time before all of this craziness that, that might too be much too of a much. Deus Ex Machina? Yeah. <laughs> that might be too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the movie where we're somehow getting Hillary Swank. Yeah. We're keeping it real here, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Time travel. Karate gangs. <laughs> Time travel is too crazy. Got it. So, well, now the question then is, I mean, I think we pretty much... If if they're not going back in time, uh, the surf ninjas can at least take them to to the new world of Patusan. At least. But what for you guys? What is the title of this movie then? How do you how do you convey what this means to the Karate Kid universe? Where's Canon at? <laughs> Canon Films, yes. This would be a Superman Four situation because this film sounds like Death Wish Three to me. So <laughs> I think that's a hundred percent possible that Canon Films would produce this. So yes, which also means we get like I think Michael Dudikoff was in the American Ninja movies for Canon, as well as Ninja Three. You can get another female ninja who's possessed with the soul of a male ninja. It's it's quite a story. And she's an aerobics <laughs> instructor by trade. It's fantastic. Anyway, Canon opens up a whole realm of extra uh, gangs to throw in there and characters. So, but yeah, what do you think, title-wise? <laughs> I, I go for Karate Kid 4 Apocalypse. I feel like <laughs> that one explains it. I just feel like you just call it Karate World. <laughs> world. <laughs> world, dude, war Jurassic world. Ooh, world war karate world world war karate is not bad wwk that could be pretty good karate gang no but i i like i like world war karate i think that's a karate kid for world war karate i mean the great news is yeah we don't have to worry about casting because literally you're just bringing in everybody who's ever kicked or punched in a movie before <laughs> it's basically the expendables right with with, with martial arts yeah so i think i think we're fine there the ultimate mashup all right well you came back <laughs> we took two months off and this is what we came up with <laughs> thanks for listening we've had this much time to think about it yeah <laughs> This does not bode well for a 2019. <laughs> uh, but speaking of a new year, uh, lots of excitement to come as per usual. We already have plenty of, of guests waiting in the wings. So we gave you kind of a sequel quest proper with our, our core host trio. But uh, we have somebody coming on uh, next episode to pitch us a sequel to The Breakfast Club. Now this... I don't know where we're going to take that one. Wait, wasn't because... that 16 Candles? <laughs> Pretty in pink? Yeah, no, I mean, it's... Ha actually, I mean, if you think about it, in a lot of ways, Community, the first season of right? Community was basically a reboot of the, the Breakfast Club. But, Jeff, don't you, you can't just do a, a ninth season of Community or whatever. I'm just putting that out there. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Not approved yeah so we have that going on and then we're, we're gonna keep kind of the, the 80s rolling but we're also gonna do something a little bit controversial and i'll just i'll leave it at that we have a controversial film to create a sequel to and uh we'll tell you about it when we get there uh but just keep that on your mind what could it be if you want to give us your guesses on twitter feel free uh and uh also as we always do at the beginning of a new year, we open it up to you. If you have an idea for a sequel, if you feel like you have a microphone and a Skype account and you want to join us on the episode, feel free to reach out to us. You know, sequelquestpod at gmail.com, at sqpod on Twitter. Find us and tell us and we'll set up a time. We'll make it work because 
We've had so many great guests over the last three years we've been doing the show. We want, we're going to be bringing back a lot of our, our favorites, some of our old standbys, but we're always looking for fresh blood. And if you want to be the new blood on Sequel Quest, you are welcome to it. So until next time, get him a body bag! We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to join us next week for another discussion about a film that never was. Share your ideas with the Sequel Quest universe by visiting SequelQuestPod.com, following us on Twitter at SQPod, on Facebook by searching Sequel Quest, or sending an email to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com. Let the world know how much you enjoy the show by leaving a review and five-star rating on iTunes. All films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. 